All right. Well, good morning, contact family. It's good to see you guys. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and had some turkey and whatever else you guys have. I know I enjoyed it. I had some good food, and it was, it was a wonderful thing. And now we've passed the Thanksgiving threshold, and we are into the season of Christmas. And that is always a great time. I love the season of Christmas. We set up our tree yesterday, and we put up our Christmas decorations. And my daughter, Laura, is saying, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. And she's so excited. And this year especially, we've done some in the past, but this year especially, she's old enough to start understanding the story and understanding why we celebrate Christmas. And that's a big thing. So over the next four Sundays, we're going to have a series going on that, that leads us into Christmas. And the series is called The Lord is With You. And that is from Luke chapter 1. Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And that is a message that we want you guys to hear too, is that the Lord is with you. So through that, we're going to be talking about four words across these four Sundays. I'll be taking the first two. We'll be doing hope, then peace. Kyler's going to lead us in thoughts on joy. And then the Sunday right before Christmas, Stan's going to lead us in thoughts on love and how those things all work together to be part of what this season is about and what Christ's coming brings to us in, in our need and the things that it creates within us and in our community. Today, of course, we're going to be talking about hope. It's really tiny font, so I don't blame if you can't see it. It says, the king has come and come King Jesus. Because there's something going on here in our hope is that this time of year we celebrate the coming of Christ. But like Terry said in his extremely on-point message, because I know that he had already done some research into what we were doing today, uh, there's still something that's yet to come, right? There's still more that's coming. Jesus already came as a baby. Jesus is going to come again as a king. And we're going to be talking about that some today with these verses that I didn't pick. I used a book that has verses in it, and it suggested them for this Sunday. And these are some verses I was not expecting to be using today. But I think that they put together an interesting message on hope. So as we start off, what is hope? Now, to, to tell you that, let's start off with what optimism is to make sure we know the difference. Optimism is choosing to see in any situation or circumstance how things could work out. All right, now this is from the Bible Project video on hope. And if you guys join our Advent reading plan that we're doing through the YouVersion app, you're going to watch this video today. If you do our Bible study on Friday on Facebook, you're going to see that video on Friday. A great video. And it talks about optimism is, is, is right. You can see how things could work. You ever been in a situation where you're like, well, the glass is... Am I going to pick half empty or half full? And I see how things could get better. I see how things could be okay. That's optimism. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is when nothing is going to be enough. When you know that there is nothing you can do, there is nothing that is going to change the situation well enough that it's going to get better. But you believe that God still can. Biblical hope is based on a person, and it is only based on God and Christ, right? That we believe there are things that we cannot do, and our hope is that God can and will do them. And that's good news, right? That's good news. So where are we right now? Do we need any hope? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Now, we're starting to see already that there's some vaccine talk, and that maybe, optimistically, by May... We're going to have the vaccine distributed. We're going to be in, in herd immunity with the vaccine. And that's great. 
but there's still some months between now and then, right? And there's people that are going to still lose their lives, and there's people that are still going to get sick and have a lot of lasting effects. Do we need some hope in that time? You better believe it. You guys know this. We've been talking about it a lot. We're living in a politically polarized nation. I hope you had great loving conversations during Thanksgiving and no little fights or wars because that's what it feels like a lot of time, right? And we look at it and we say, how is this ever going to get better? How can these things be fixed? Are politics ever going to get people agreeing and loving each other? No. What do we need? We need Jesus, don't we? We need something else. We need someone else that can lead us in a different direction. And in the midst of all this, we are struggling to hold on to the way of Jesus, right? Is it challenging sometimes to follow what Jesus says? Is it challenging to not stoop to the level of what we see going on around us? Is it challenging to not want to just give up sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Don't you wish sometimes that God would just show up in a mighty way? Don't you wish sometimes that God would do some things that he's done before? Maybe you think about slavery in Egypt and how the people waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. We don't know how long they were slaves. We know they were in Egypt for 400 years, but we don't know how long they were in slavery there. Do you think they were wanting God to show up? Do you think some of them had forgotten about God because it had been so long? Probably. Or maybe we think about the exile in Babylon that we've been talking about in the book of Daniel and in other books. And the people get taken away from their homes and they get taken to another country. And, and they, they are hoping God's going to show up and free them. But there's nothing that, that they see that says God's going to show up. They don't see an optimistic version of how things are going to change. They know they need God to show up and give them hope again. As we think about these things, and we, we wish for God to just appear and do the things he did at the Exodus, to do those plagues and parting the sea and doing all these great works. We hear the words of Isaiah in chapter 64. He says, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. Wouldn't we love to see that? This fire causes wood to burn and water to boil. Your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. Don't you want that sometimes for God to just show up in a way no one can deny? When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations, and oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Do we remember from our, our reading and the stories we've heard that God can show up in big ways? Do we hope for that to happen again? Because we know we need it. We know we need it. And we wonder why. Why isn't God showing up? And do you think the people of God wondered why too? Psalm 80, verses 4 through 6, he says, O Lord of heaven's armies, how long will you be angry with our prayers? Because that's what it felt like sometimes, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like sometimes you pray something and you don't hear an answer? Does it feel like God's angry maybe sometimes? Boy, that's what the Psalms say sometimes. You fed us with sorrow and made us drink tears by the bucket full. <sighs> Does that sound almost hopeless? You have made us the scorn of neighboring nations. Our enemies treat us as a joke. Does it ever feel that way? Ever feel that way? Yeah, it does. Or maybe going further in that Isaiah passage, you think about it this way. 
You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Does it ever feel like the sin in your life is too much for God to want anything to do with you? Yeah, it does. Is that the truth? It's not. Here's what is true, though. Can you save yourself? No. No. If God had left us alone in our sin, would there be any hope? No. There's no optimistic way that we make things right on our own, is there? But there's hope. There's hope. And the people of God realized that they needed something more. And that's what we celebrate now, right? The coming of the Messiah. That Jesus came, that God came in the flesh as a baby, grew up, lived a perfect life, showed people what it looked like to be the kind of people God created us to be. Then when we thought he was going to sit on a throne, his enthronement was on the cross, and he dies and gives away his life that we might have life. That's where our hope is, right? Because it's not anything we did, is it? Is there anything any of us in this room did to be good enough for God? Not a thing. But is there anything so terrible that any of us did that God cannot save us? No. Our hope is in God. And Christ's victory, and, he, and he's victorious on the cross, and he rises again, right? And he's defeated sin and death. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And he, he is the firstborn of the new creation, and he ascends into heaven, and he leaves the church behind, right? And the church is to spread the good news and to share with all the world what Jesus has done, and we share hope with people, and we share hope with people, and we share hope with people, and we share hope with people. And it's been a long time. It's been a long time, hasn't it? And we start saying again, where are you, God? Where are you, God? When are you going to show up again? Because those same things that were plaguing us before, we, we thought that's what was going to go away. And yet here we are in the pandemic. And here we are in the politics. And here we are in the struggle. And we need some hope again, don't we? We still need hope because there's something that God is yet to do, right? The story is not over. We know the ending, but the story is not complete. And so we keep praying, may your kingdom come, right? Because the kingdom's here, but it's not all the way here, right? We get to be a part of, of these little groups of God's kingdom breaking into the world, but we know that there's yet more to come. And so we're going to look at a passage from Mark. Mark 13, 24-33. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers and the heavens will be shaken. Oh boy, here we go. This is what's called apocalypse. And you say, oh man, here we go. Some 
end times prophecy and all this kind of stuff. All right, let's do a little crash course in what apocalypse is because we got we to gotta work a little harder to understand some of this that's going on. I don't want us to misunderstand. Apocalypse means revelation. The word revelation is a translation of the Greek word apocalypto, which just means revelation. It's not an end times word specifically. It means it's what's revealed. So God is revealing something to us in apocalypse. Apocalyptic literature was pretty popular in the Jewish culture at that time. And so there had been other texts at that time that had done this kind of same thing. This is really important. It was for people at that time. Okay? That prophecy was for the people then. So if you take one of these prophecies about the end times and you try to map it out with what's going on in America right now, you are misinterpreting the Bible. That is not its purpose. On the other hand, it speaks to both that time and what was going on and also to the final day of the Lord, which is the last day. And you say, well, how does it do both? Okay, what do you see here? It kind of looks like a mountain range, right? So over here you see some smaller peaks and they get bigger and then you got this big one over here. All right, this giant one here at the end is the day of the Lord. This is, this is the final day of judgment. When Jesus returns, when everything is set right. These other things along the way are like this one, which is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, which is what Jesus is talking about. And he gets more specific about this in, in the, the writing of Matthew and then Luke also have this story. And both of them are more explicit about what the prophecy is about, okay? So you've got... The destruction of Jerusalem is like one of these peaks, but it has some of the same ideas as the giant peak, right? Now, when we take this and we twist it this way, okay, so now we're looking at it from the side. When we look at it from the front, it all looks the same, right? You can't see the smaller peaks because they're all consumed by the large one, all right? This is the idea of what Jesus is doing here, is he's talking about this final day, but he's talking about it He's talking about what's going on in his day using language of the final day. And this is how the prophets do it all across the Old Testament. This is how things happen in Revelation. All of these things are talking about what's going on for them then, but also kind of talking about what's going on in the future. And at the same time, they're talking about both of these things. Is that a little complicated? Sure it is. But listen to these next verses, because you're going to see some of that going on in these verses, okay? There we go. Oh, yeah. Pulls from Daniel. This one specifically in Mark, from Daniel, Isaiah, Joel, Ezekiel. There's a little bit of all those in this. And so he's referencing back to things that have already been spoken in the prophets in the Old Testament and bringing them and tying them together to talk about what's going on now. So it's this kind of reduce, reuse, recycle language where you keep using the same ideas to build this bigger idea, but it also talks about today's idea. Okay? All right, so here we go. Verse 26. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world. And you say, that's the last end of times, right? Yes. Also, Jesus did kind of come in a big way at his resurrection and then pulled all the people on the day of Pentecost from the different corners of the world to spread them out. So there's a little bit of both these things going on at the same time. From the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, 
you can know that his return is very near right at the door. You kind of hear a little bit how he's talking about both things at once. You're going to have to study this more probably to get all that nuance, but listen to this next verse. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. That generation has passed now, so those things have taken place. And yet, not all those things have taken place. The Bible's complicated sometimes. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So again, don't be listening to any end times prophecies about people when they say they know what date it's going to happen. Who knows? God. Does Jesus know? No. Jesus doesn't even know. Isn't that crazy? And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. Stay alert. Okay, so what are we talking about again? We're talking about hope. And we've gone off on this apocalyptic train for a second. We've got to get back to hope. So what's the hope that we hear in this passage? What was the hope for those people at that time that was in this? At that time, the destruction of Jerusalem that was going to come was not going to be the stop of the kingdom. This is the same idea in the exile, that they thought when the temple was destroyed, that meant that God had lost. But the prophets say, no, God is bigger than the temple. Is God contained by any building? Have we trapped God here at contact? No, God, the earth is the, the Lord's and everything in it, right? And so at the, for them, what this meant is the destruction of Jerusalem doesn't stop the kingdom. That's good news. What's it mean for us, for everyone? Christ will return to reign forever. Is that good news? That's good news. That's what our hope is, right? Our hope is that no matter what we see going on, there's going to be a day when Jesus will come and set things right. Maybe in our lifetime, maybe not. It may be another 2,000 years. We don't know. Jesus doesn't even know. But there's going to be a day when God gives the go-ahead and it's going to set everything to be the way it was meant to be from the beginning. And that's good news. So what we do now is we just sit back and we wait, right? That's it. No, no, no. There's a task for us, too, in hope. What is our task in hope? First thing is we repent. Even if you have said yes to Jesus, do we still have times when we fail? Yeah. And so it's good for us to continue to repent. So what I'm going to ask for you guys to do is we're going to read two verses, one from Isaiah, one from Psalms. I think I might have those backwards, which order we're going to do them in, that we've been reading. And I want you guys to read these aloud with me, okay? And we're going to use this as a group repentance. This is for all of us to declare to God that we want to change, all right, for whenever we have done wrong. So read these with me. So Isaiah 64, 9. Read this together. Don't be so angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray, and see that we are all your people. You hear that? We want to repent of our sins and remind God we're his people. Remind God we're his people. Read this one with me, Psalm 80, verse 19. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. Is that a good reminder? That's a good reminder. We need to ask God to forgive us of our sins and ask him to help us follow him. 
Yeah, do we need help following God sometimes? You better believe it. That's part of what the church is for. That's what the spirit inside of us is for. We need a lot of help because we are people that just constantly want to go a different way. huh? So we need something pulling us along. First thing, repent. Second thing, keep watch. Let me read you the rest of this passage from Mark. It says, The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. What's it mean to watch for God? So we're going to repent, and then we're going to go sit on our porch and keep looking at the sky. No, you guys know that's not what it means. The slaves in his house, he told them to do certain things. We have submitted to God's authority. When we are baptized, we say, I want to be totally told to do by you. What has Jesus told us to do? A lot of stuff, right? We got the Sermon on the Mount. We have the teachings about loving others. We have the way that we're supposed to be servants, that the great of us is to be the least, right? These are the things that God has called us to do. And so what is our task? How do we keep watch? We keep doing the things Jesus commanded us to do. And we hope for his return. Yep. So let's keep watch. Third thing, stand firm. This one's going to overlap a little bit, but this is our last passage of the morning. This is from 1 Corinthians, and I want you to hear this as kind of a blessing on you guys. This is for the church in Corinth, but I want you to hear it for you, okay? Listen to this, chapter 1, verses 3 and following. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Hmm. Powerful words. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Has God given you gifts? Yeah, he has. We need to talk more about that sometime. But God has given you gifts as part of his family. Through him, God has enriched you all in every way with all of your eloquent words and all your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. You hear that? God has given you what you need to hope for him and to wait on him. That's good news, right? He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Who's going to do it? We're going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. We need God for this, don't we? We need the hope in God because we can't do it on our own. It's not optimism. It's hope. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen is right. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. And today it's Paul talking to you. Has God equipped you for what you need? Yeah. Is God going to help you carry through? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. So what do we do? How do we hope? May we live like Christ. Faithfully keep watch. Be strong to the end. 
as the charge for us today here. And remember that we can hope in God, knowing he will finish what he started. Do we believe that? Can we act on that? We can. Today, if you need to repent in a special way, if you need to say yes to baptism, if you need prayers, if there's something in your life that needs to change so that you can hope, because this season, we're hoping. We're not hoping anymore for the baby in a manger because that has come, and that is good news. But we're hoping for the king to return. Come, Lord Jesus. Set everything right. We can't do it, but we know you can. God, you are faithful. Let's stand and sing.